I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. the news today that the government are selling Channel 4. Yes, I know. And I've kind of got mixed feelings because on one hand, I just like it when things are publicly owned. You do, yes. just love a bit of nationalisation. I love um, like some kind of idea of the 70s that I don't even really remember. Mm-mm. And you know, all my uh, scandophilia in Sweden, loads of their stuff was publicly owned. I love all that, me. But at the same time, I try and look for the positive, and I thought that maybe uh, if it was commercially owned, then they would drop the educational bits during Naked Attraction. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? You think that would be gone? Yeah, you're watching it and you're just gawping at all these bits of bodies, mm. and then they show some rubbish animation about the ancient Egyptians considered scrotal piercings to be a sign of virility to try and justify its value as an educational program. You don't like that bit. I think a commercial uh a commercial uh a company wouldn't need to be worrying about that. <laughs> Do you ever watch that? I I have seen it the first series I saw a few episodes. I'm 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 very aware of it. But you you is it still going? Are you still watching it? It's not appointment to view for me, but if right. we're in of an evening and it's on we'll go at it for a bit. Okay. I'll tell you what is always um so, so strange about that show. Should I describe it for anybody who doesn't yes, know? Yes, oh, I was just God. thinking that, yeah. And if you're not, if if you don't live here, this is going to be mind-blowing to you. Because I've heard um, people from other countries talk about coming to the UK and then being in a hotel and thinking, what the hell is going on here? It's a dating show. Somebody goes on uh, and they're, they're looking for a partner with him to go on a date. They're choosing from five candidates. These five candidates are behind a screen. The screen is gradually lifted to reveal a different part of the body. So it goes up and you see all the genitals, mm-hmm. which I don't know about you, but, you know, my my, uh, my tendency would be to go the other way. If you're building to, uh, building to a big finale, mm-hmm. I think starting with the genitals is perhaps not the way to go. But well, It depends it, what you think the finale is, Jeff. <laughs> For me, it's the face. Well, I agree, but I mean, in terms of shock value on yeah, TV, in terms of like, yeah, what are you looking for? True, true, true. Well, I don't know. Actually, you usually see the the genitals and then think, oh, 
wonder what kind of face goes with that. Mm. But it's three stages in it. You see sort of from waist down first, mm. then you see the torso, mm-hmm. uh, and then you see the face last. Yeah. Um, and then they pick somebody to go on a date with, but only after they themselves have got naked. Oh, I've forgotten that bit. Yeah. That's so weird. So, um, so that's the format. But then you see the date, and that that's really strange because they're always so low budget. Uh, it looks like some kind of bar they've hired for the chi- for, uh, on the cheap in Manchester, mm. packed out with members of the pro- production crew pretending to be <laughs> patrons. Of, they've got like I don't know researchers and runners in the background pretending to have a drink, um, and the dates are so stilted. And then you have the catch up a couple of weeks later where you find out what you want to know, which is did, did they go and have intercourse? And they they never did. Right. And they've texted a couple of times and that's it. And it's such a weird, it's such a weird arc that it goes on inevitably from being naked in front of each other Mm-mm. to then um, a mundane clothed date. and not. It's, sort of, it's like the way things tend to go in real life happening in reverse. It doesn't break the ice in the way you think it would. No, no, no that's the thing. It the, the ice sturdier, if anything. And... You know, I've heard people say, is it because, is it because there's no mystery left? Is it because, mm-hmm. and I, I don't think so. I think in a relationship, the mystery doesn't come from finally seeing somebody's genitals. Mm. The, the the mystery is um, like the gradual unveiling of your personality over time. Oh, the bits you kept hidden. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, you, you present on a date mm. uh, as much as you're able to as a functional person. And then over time, people get to see that you're completely incapable of uh, being a member of society and all your fragility and your true personality is unveiled. And, and it's at that point they leave. It's, it's not to do <laughs> yes. with the mystery isn't like what your uh, scrotum looks like, I don't no, think. No, no. But I have a very impressive scrotum, so maybe, maybe it is for many people. It just never mm. has been for me. Mm-mm. I mean, I don't know what the criteria for judging one is. I just imagine it's impressive. <laughs> Long. That's the thing most people are looking for. Not length, but length. Low hanging. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know why I mentioned uh, that to begin with. It was just on my mind. Okay. Um, I wasn't even sure if we should do the podcast this week. Oh, why? Well, I thought there might be a, a, like a period of national mourning for June Brown. Oh, yes. I know. I love June Brown. Dot cotton. It's sad, so sad, really, that they haven't. You know, when the Queen Mum died, they had a body lying in state. Mm. They could have done that with June Brown at the laundrette. <laughs> I'm sure Mr. Papadopoulos wouldn't have minded. Oh. Yeah, there were many factors really that that led to the uh, decision to stop doing the old radio show. But I do remember that one of the uh, one of the nails in the coffin was was for me anyway. The the revelation in, it just occurred to me that you know at some point referencing referencing obscure things that had happened on EastEnders in 1987 mm. might not be a winner as they were trying to attract a younger demographic. Oh, now you tell me. <laughs> <laughs> if only I'd known. I shouldn't have mentioned Mary the Punk so much. <laughs> Dr. Lang. <laughs> and done my impressions of James Wilmot Brown. I'm uh, not a bloody yuppie. <laughs> That's why. The oh, band. The band, yeah. yeah. I'm going we're doing it again now. <laughs> Stop it. I know, but to the people who did watch EastEnders in 1987, this is gold, Annabelle. <laughs> <laughs> 
She's great, Jim Brown, wasn't she? She was amazing. Do you remember when she paid for um, Pete Doherty to uh, yes! to go to a drugs rehab at a monastery in Thailand? Yes, yes. Do you remember when she turned up randomly on an episode of Come Dine With Me oh, yes. with that guy from The Bill, Tosh? Yes, Tosh Lines. Yeah, yeah. God, he was another one, wasn't he, Tosh Lines? I remember him being in rehab. Oh, yeah. Like... He'd, he'd become this tabloid story, the guy who played him, I've forgotten his name. And the front page of the newspaper, the Sun newspaper, was a big picture, a cut-out picture of his face. And there was some kind of message to landlords around the country, do not serve this man. Oh, no. And then inside they printed an aerial photograph of the rehab with dotted lines to the nearest pubs. No. Yeah, it wasn't D- different uh, times. Different times. Well, that Pete Doherty thing was was so weird. Like, so th- th- as far as I could see, she had no connection to him. No, I don't think so. And then, out of the goodness of her heart, I mean, I don't know if it was that she was confusing him with the character of Nasty Nick, who I think was always in trouble with drugs, and she was always trying to get oh, him on the yes. straight and narrow. Yes, yes. But um, they did look quite similar. Maybe that was it. But yeah, she paid for him to go to rehab at this monastery in Thailand. Yes, yeah. yeah. I do think it was like. Like that Tosh Lines thing, it was a slightly shameful period in in British history. So it's simultaneously, Peak Doherty simultaneously feels to me like five minutes ago mm. and like it's just this other awful era because all of us really were sort of following this funny soap opera of a rock star in a pork pie hat and um, what was going to become of his drug addiction escapades mm. in the national news every day. Mm. And it was a bit of light entertainment. It was treated like it was light entertainment. Yeah. Not great, really. Wouldn't happen now. You'd for, hope not. For the best. I mean, there'll be other stuff happening now that's just as terrible. True. But we're, we're blind to it while it's happening. Um, I read up on the monastery. Oh, did you? Yeah. Um so the connection to June Brown was she had, I think, a real-life nephew who had some addiction issues. Ah. And one of her friends saw a TV documentary about it and videoed it for her, and then she sent her nephew there. Oh, I see. Okay. And, and then the story sort of takes a, a strange twist because the, the monks at the monastery liked this nephew so much that they built him a recording studio, like an £8,000 recording studio in the monastery. Really? To make monk music. I don't, I don't know what. And then June Brown used her show business connections to pass the CD around of his monastery music. Yeah. So she like um, was at an event and gave Sting one. She was friends with Cliff Richards and gave him a copy, but I think it sort of made their relationship quite awkward. But but weirder than that, she got a copy of his CD into the hands of Madonna's PA. No. Which, I know Madonna had that phase of living here and being an Anglophile. Yeah, yeah. But can you imagine being that PA trying to give the backstory as to what this is? <laughs> wow. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's a lot, isn't it? I wonder if... Uh, if that music will be played at June Brown's funeral? I want to hear it now, like right now. What if there'll be donkeys at June Brown's funeral? Why donkeys? I think that was her other big thing. I think she was into donkey sanctuaries. Oh, I, didn't I think know. she supported a lot of donkey sanctuaries. I was thinking about my funeral this week because uh, it occurred to me um, a song that I'd quite like mm. 
the Rainbow Connection oh, yeah. from the Muppet movie. Mm-hmm. And then I started spiralling, thinking it has to be that version, though, because they also sang it in the Muppets film from like 2011 or 2012, and it wasn't as good. It wasn't Jim Henson. It was the guy who took over a couple after him, and uh, I wouldn't want that version to be at my funeral. Mm-hmm. But why should that matter to me? Because I'll be dead. Mm. Um, and then I was thinking, do you think it's better to leave detailed instructions for how would you you'd like your funeral to be mm. so it takes it off the mourner's plate yeah or do you think actually the funeral isn't for you you're dead it's it's more important that that's part of their grieving process to put it together how much do you think that i think about this a lot yeah so much so what's your answer so much i i think it's my decision i think i get to decide but you're you're out it's of my, here. It's, it's my, over. I know it's, it's my, over. I know it's my choices. It's all about what I want. Yeah, I, I get your point. That yeah, it's nothing. It's, I'm not there. It should be for everyone else. But so it's like you're. It's like you're, you're almost haunting your own funeral. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> I like that. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I thought about that. <laughs> that's that's just what I think. You know, some people say it's such a shame. It's such a shame that you, people say all these lovely things at a funeral, and you learn how loved somebody was, wouldn't it be great if you could do that while they're still alive? Mm-hmm. I don't think it would be. Why not? Can you? I'd never be able to look anybody in the eye again. Would you feel embarrassed? It'd just make it awkward. You don't want to go around telling people the nice things you think about them. Like, you can't, like relationships... I've tried complimenting you sometimes, mm. and you can't look at me. It's too awkward. Yeah, so ima- yeah. ima- imagine the, the level of that that would go on. At one of those living funerals, it'd be terribly uncomfortable. I'd never thought about that. Yeah, you're right. Back to June Brown. Um, Mike's girlfriend worked in a pub, and this was back before the smoking ban. Like June Brown was in there once smoking, mm. and after she left, um, she went over the sex girlfriend of mine to the ashtray and extracted a, a cigarette butt and put it in a plastic bag, mm. like as a souvenir. And I think still has it, as far as I'm aware. Oh, God. So, possibly, Mm. she could clone her. Well, you say possibly. Immediately, I'm thinking, how well preserved is the DNA, like, 20 years later in a plastic bag? I don't know. I don't know either. They're talking about bringing back woolly mammoths. True. And I suppose they did did clone that dinosaur that was, like, a bit was in amber, wasn't it? That was Jurassic Park. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. Maybe she could then. Because I read this week that there's uh, there's this company that is charging people to clone their yes. pets. Yes, yes, So you can get your cat for 23 grand. Right. Uh, your dog would cost you 38. Why is that more? Bigger. Right. Because then a horse costs 65. Uh, oh. So I think you could probably, you know, she was a slight lady, wasn't <laughs> she? Yeah. You could probably get like June Brown for less than 100K. You could do a crowdfunder. I know. I'd say somewhere between a dog and a horse. Yeah, yeah, really. The horse is bigger. You think if, less than it? Yeah, if it's I suppose you're right. I suppose you're right. If a cat is cheaper because of size, yeah. June Brown is smaller than a horse. See, so what maybe half look, a horse? I'd maybe say. look in sort of what like mid forties, fifty grand. Let's break into your ex's house, get a cigarette butt, <laughs> somehow get fifty grand. I don't know how. <laughs> I sometimes like think like I'd like to clone myself, really? but try and give it different life experiences so it had some self esteem oh, and like. God. Could dance. I oh, could dance. Yeah, that'd be good. Anyway, uh, R.I.P. Yes. June Brown. Yeah. If, if if life was an episode of EastEnders, mm. like this news would definitely be one of the ones where they don't have the drums at the end and they just play out in silence. Oh. You see the credits in silence. Yeah. That's how you know it's a big moment. Yeah, yeah. 
hello at adriftpodcast.com. That's the email address. We would like you to send your story of uh, your your attempts to interact with other human beings, which have gone disastrously. How's it looking this week, Annabelle? First one's from Andy in Liverpool. For the past seven weeks, my partner and I have been in the neonatal unit at our local maternity hospital after the surprise arrival of our little Ada at 29 weeks. She's doing really well and is a constant delight. The hospital experience for a drifter like me could probably fill a spin-off episode on its own. (laughs) However, this story takes place in the real world, away from a hospital bubble. To give ourselves a little treat, we've been going to a nice independent cafe every week for a couple of fancy takeaways and a pastry on a Sunday. The cinnamon and cardamom whirls are a particular highlight. Mm. This week, I made the pilgrimage as usual and was pleased to see that they had one pastry left. I ordered my usual and the person behind the counter reached over with their tongs to pick up the final pastry. It looked a bit precarious, but into the paper bag it went. It was then that I noticed the flash of blue. She handed me the paper bag and I whimpered, oh no. I tipped the bag upside down, keeping hold of the pastry and onto the counter fell a blue hygienic plaster, which must have fallen off her finger Uh, as she deposited the pastry into uh, the bag. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry, she said. What should I do? I couldn't get a replacement. It was the last one. Ask for a refund. Demand the whole order be free of charge. Make a complaint. What do you think I did? Of course, I said, it's fine. (laughs) Paid in full. I even pressed the button to give them a tip. Will I be back next week? Probably. <laughs> next one's That's from... good. That, that was textbook drifter behaviour. Exactly. Proud of you, you Andy. Did, you did, yeah. ticked every box, did everything yeah. right. Yeah. Next one's from Nick. I will warn you, it contains a profanity, which I will shorten. Okay. To be a bit more couth. Okay. <laughs> this is a tale about my twin brother, and the thought of it never fails to make me cringe. My brother decided to run the London Marathon a few years ago. He's a very competitive character and had been training a lot to try and achieve a sub 3.30 time. That's three hours 30, in case you're unsure. (sighs) The day arrives and it is very hot. Despite this, Ed launches into a fast pace and makes extremely strong progress over the first 18 miles. He's on track to beat three hours 15, let alone three hours 30. However, as the sun grows higher, his strength fades. Lungs burning and knees aching, Ed's pace begins to slow. Eventually, he's so overcome with pain that he has to stumble over to one of the barriers for support, his head lolling over whilst gasping for breath. A rather fragile elderly man sees him in need of support and having seen Ed emblazoned on his running vest, ambles over and exclaims in a kindly but insistent tone, Come on, Ed, keep going. You can do it. Nearly there. Ed, in a world of pain, doesn't move. The man continues, don't stop, head up, keep on going, come on, Ed. This proves rather too much for Ed, who can only lift his head and roar, F off! Ed? Almost instantly overcome with guilt, he scampers off. He finished in three hours, 27 minutes, but says it wasn't worth it after seeing the utter shock and bemusement on the poor elderly gentleman's face. Ed. Ed, what came over you? <laughs> that is not textbook drift of No, that is the opposite. <laughs> and lastly, this is from Bethan on the Wirral. As a child, I harboured a deep and obsessive love for Philip Schofield. I was about seven years old at the time and the height of my desire was to hold his hand or maybe sit on his knee. So I was delighted my mum when my mum told me he was appearing at a summer fete and not only will we be going, but he will be signing autographs. Yes, at last I would have my shot at getting with Scoff. 
The day of the fate arrived, I was giddy with excitement and nerves as I queued up in the long line of children to get my postcard, featuring a photo of Philip in the broom closet on the front, signed. But I was not just planning on getting an autograph. No, I was determined to declare my love for him. Maybe we could get married and hold hands on a daily basis. It was worth a shot. Finally, after what seemed like hours, I reached the front of the queue and a smiling Schofield beckoned me to him. My heart was racing as I approached. This was my only chance to tell him how I felt about him. I stepped up to the table, but instead of handing over my postcard and telling him he was my true love, I burst out crying and ran away. My mum then had to queue up to get my postcard signed as I was too distraught to go through it again, but just to want my autograph, of course. Whenever I think of this incident, my enduring thought is what the hell Philip Schofield must have thought. There he is, enjoying an easy giga of summer fate, meeting young fans when a young girl takes one look at him and starts crying hysterically and runs away. <laughs> Sorry, Scof, my love for you just burned too bright. <laughs> oh, that's uh, that's good. Um, sort of crumbling in the face of greatness. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. would be a good topic for you to ever think about. Uh, as in the person you know who, who is the person you're closest to is who's the most anti drifter. Mm, yes, yeah. I don't mean against us, I mean like, the opposite of us. Mm. And then um yeah, and then, you know, textbook drifter behaviour we love. Please send us your story. It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Annabelle? Yes. Shall we have another way in which you are not a fully functioning adult? Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of glimpses into my brain from this week. First one, I'd made myself some jam on toast for breakfast, which I was going to eat while getting ready. It had been cut in half. Do you think I'm a diagonal or rectangle kind of girl? I'm going to go rectangle. You are correct. Yeah. Diagonals feel a bit treaty for me. Yes. Like hotel toast or buying a sandwich from a shop. It's, it's too flash to do at home. It's too flash to do at home. It's too fancy. It's too flash. But that makes no sense at all. Why, why is a triangle flashier? It's still cutting the bread in half. Be like, who do you think you are? Cutting your bread in strangles at home. Ooh, yeah. I don't Save know. it for when you're at the Ritz. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know why, but in order of poshness, I believe it goes <laughs> little triangles, yep. diagonally in half, mm. rectangles in half, not cutting it at all, but just a big slab of bread to yeah. be tacked with an uncouth <laughs> mouth. Would you agree? Little triangles, it feels a bit kids' party. Oh, do you, oh, I see that as quite. I see that as like yeah. tea at the Ritz. Little triangles. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I hadn't really realised before, but I think in my head there's a shape hierarchy where a rectangle is lesser than a square or a circle. <laughs> <laughs> do you do you think so? I think it's kind of like know, oh, not yeah. as good. Yeah. But why? It's ridiculous. <laughs> And why am I not treating myself to a triangle when I know it's better? <laughs> but why is it better? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> anyway, I've taken a bite out of one half of my rectangles. Like, so it's so interesting because if, if I was making myself sandwiches at home, mm. I'd never cut them diagonally. No. Because I think, you know, <laughs> what, what's this? What is this? Yeah. Like, you know. But if I went into a shop yeah, yeah. and I saw trying uh, uh, sandwiches cut the way that I would cut them, yeah, I'd think, yeah. oh, I don't think I'm going to get my sandwiches no. from here. They're not even in diagonal. They're just shapes. It doesn't matter. It's ridiculous. Anyway, 
So I'd taken a bite out of one half. I'd gone to comb my hair or something, I don't know, and I'd come back to the plate to have some more. And the unbitten half, rectangle, yes. was closest to me. It would have made perfect sense now to take a bite from this half, but I couldn't do it. I had to stretch a bit further and take a bite from the one I'd already started. And there is no no reason at all on this earth why I couldn't alternate halves of toast. But I just couldn't do it. No, no. I tried to identify a reason. All I could come up with was, it's just wrong. <laughs> it's just, could you do it? No. no just, it, yeah. But why? I don't know. Ridiculous. Okay. I'll move on to my second glimpse into my brain. So my front door is tricky to lock. It's really annoying. You have to slam it really hard, really hard, so hard that I often worry the small bit of glass is going to shatter. And then you have to ram the door handle up really hard. It's all very aggressive. My neighbours probably always think I have a row with Tom before I leave the house. (laughs) And they also probably hate me. For some reason, it's easier and looser in the summer. So if any locksmiths are listening and can identify the problem, please do let me know. It's a five-point lock if that helps. That's not the reason I'm mentioning it, though, for free locksmithing advice. Because the next bit you have to do is the hardest bit. So you slam the door really hard, you push the handle up really hard, and then you have to turn the key to lock it. And this is when it sometimes takes several goes and it just won't turn. Often you have to repeat the whole process again from the door slam onwards several times, thinking now that my neighbours definitely hate me. And it's especially annoying when occasionally I have to give the key to someone to like feed the dog or something. I have in the past made a video of how to do the door for their reference. But it's like that with TVs now, isn't it? If someone's in the house without you, like a babysitter or someone, you have to provide them with written instructions on how to turn the TV and skybox on or whatever. I have a picture in my phone on which I've drawn arrows and and, and annotated it, which I can then send to any babysitter. That's amazing. I mean, 40 years ago, it was just like, see the on button and see those buttons that say BBC One, BBC Two and ITV. Just press those. But anyway, I found something this week that makes a massive difference in that I've been able to turn the key first time with ease. Right before I turn it, I say these words in my head. I've not told anyone this. I haven't even told Tom. I say these words in my head, like butter. And I swear to God, God. (laughs) every time it's turned with the ease of knife through soft butter. And now I have to do it every time. And every time my door is a breeze. I don't even know what entered into my head to make me do this. I think I was just trying to psych myself up. But now I have to do it every time because it works. But don't worry, (laughs) I will be leaving it out of my door locking video for anyone. (laughs) And then you go, like butter. (laughs) I won't be doing that because I'd look mental. But not as mental as I'd look with a bite taken out of both slices of toast. That would be far, far worse. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. We have a nice little catch up usually before the podcast, don't we? We have a sit and we have a cup of tea. Yeah. And um, we find out about each other's weeks. Mm. And you said, What's your news? Mm-mm. 
And I said, I have, have got some big news, but I'm saving it for the podcast. Yeah. And you then made like an excited noise. Mm, mm. And I had to say, oh, it's not good news. Yeah. And then I disappointed. Mm. Have I seemed especially aggressive to you this evening? No. Interesting. Because I'm on a lot of steroids. You are not. Yes. What do you mean? Tell me. So this is the weirdest thing that has happened to me. Yeah. Saturday morning, I, I woke up and I'm lying there with my eyes closed, head down on the pillow. And I can really faintly hear something. It sounds like a voice. But, yeah, I can't tell where it's coming from, if it's down the street or it doesn't, you know, it's so something weird about it. Mm. So then I sit up and as soon as I sit up, it's very loud and it's Gene shouting, Dad, from the next room. Right. Because he's excited that he's awake and we, we're going to do a bunch of things that day. And basically I've gone deaf in one ear overnight. No. Yeah. What do you mean? I don't know how permanent it is. What? It's still now? Yeah. Oh, my God. So, so I... I, I then, you know, he comes and gets in the bed with me and he watches something on my computer. And I notice that if I put my this left ear on the pillow, uh, right ear on the pillow and just have the left one pointed up, I can't hear anything at all. This is terrible. Well, it is terrible. So I then go on the NHS website and they say, look, it can be this, it can be this, it can be this, but it also could be really serious. So we advise that if you have sudden loss of hearing, you need to call 111 which I then do, um, and long story short, over a number of hours, I eventually get an appointment. It's on a Saturday, so I get an appointment with an emergency doctor. And I'm, I'm now have to take like 12 steroids a day for seven days. And take it, and you have to take them all in one go, so it feels like I've taken an overdose, just like shoveling all these pills into my mouth at once. Oh, wow. Um, and he had a look in there, and there's quite a lot of wax in there, but it's very unusual that I'd be able to hear fine one night and then not be able to the next morning. So in in the range of likely likelihood, it's probably the wax, but it might be, it might be a, uh, a a benign brain tumor that people live with and but just needs a bit of managing. Okay. And then somewhere in the middle, there's like yeah, kind of ear infections and um, many as disease, which I don't think it is because you lose your balance okay. with that, yeah. which I mean, my balance isn't great at the best yeah, of times. I was but thinking that, yeah. yeah uh, I, I think I'd notice a decline. So I've got no idea. And they can't tell me whether it's permanent or whether it's partial you know whether i'll only ever be able to hear partially again out of it or if it'll be back to normal in a few days so what are the steroids doing i don't really know but whatever the very bad thing is that could happen yeah the steroids starting the steroids as quickly as you can are the things that can make the difference okay, okay. so if you don't then there's a chance that if it is the bad thing mm. it's never coming back the hearing so the the steroids are sort of a, a preemptive strike against that but it's sort of terrifying that's awful i've also got to put olive oil in my ear oh to soften the wax so they can syringe it yeah. yeah yeah i've been using only the best stuff as well extra virgin organic extra virgin raw pressed yeah cold pressed yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um wow it's so weird i was not expecting you to say that no 
And there have been a couple of times tonight when we were sat talking where I've really had to turn my good ear towards you and then hope you didn't notice so that I could save my big revelation for the podcast. Do you think I need an ear trumpet? (laughs) You know what? You've mentioned ear trumpets before. This could be the way of that that coming to you now. I just, I I do like sort of antique medical paraphernalia. What else would you like? I'd like the sort of... Calipers? Calipers. I was thinking the sort of wheelchair where... It's, um, you know, it's it's not because I've lost use of my legs because I don't want to make light of that. No. It's more because I've taken a turn mm. and the doctor thinks I need some like mountain air or like to be oh. on the French Riviera. Yeah, But yeah. I'd be sat in like a wicker wheelchair. With a blanket over your legs. Yeah. yeah. Mm. I also like those glasses that the opticians use <laughs> while they're doing your eye test. Yeah. Yeah, these are, these are, the, these mm. are the types of things really. I'm sure there are others. But uh, they're not springing to mind. Mm. Anyway, uh, update on that next week. And if uh, there are any um, people who'd like to weigh in with a medical opinion, I'd be quite welcome because I'm supposed to have an emergency ENT appointment. I haven't heard anything yet. Oh, right. Not quite the emergency then. Well, um, so that's that's my big bit of news. Okay. Then a couple of other things. Right. First one is my wife... Um, confronted me yesterday morning oh no she wanted to know why i have 14 photographs of ollie alexander in my camera roll on my phone i mean it's a good question from the band years and years and it's a sin yeah also the, yeah and what was your answer crush he's a very attractive man no a bit young really but no the answer <laughs> was it's just that he's a bit young okay yeah the answer was that my son is driving me to distraction with not wearing a coat or a jacket mm. on cold days. And his favourite pop star is Ollie Alexander. Right. So I trawled Google images for pictures of him wearing like cardigans and jackets and <laughs> blazers over his T-shirts. Right, right. So that Jim would do the same thing. And has it worked? A little, yeah. It's, really? It definitely, definitely, uh, okay. definitely moved the needle. Um, and then the other thing I was going to tell you about is... A little fun activity that I've started doing with him is Pokemon Go. Is that a thing you do on your phone? You chase yeah, Pokemon? yeah. So, I mean, he doesn't have a phone and I wouldn't let him do it unsupervised. But we go out for a walk on a Saturday morning and you get your phone out and you open up this app and you walk the streets and there's like the map of the streets you're on. But you're in like a, I don't know if you call it augmented or virtual reality as well, Mm. because um, you'll see like Pokemon beasts pop up on the screen and you have to catch them. And then local sites of interest, which can be anything from a historic post box to the site where the first bomb of World War II fell or some landmark, they are, um, they call them Pokestops, where you can go and collect extra things see what I, yeah, we don't yeah, need to get yeah. too deep into it <laughs> and i really like it like i really it's a fun thing for for he and i to do mm. and even though it's him looking at a screen we're both doing it and it's we're out and about and it's fun and we talk and uh, but here's here's the thing i've started playing it when he's at school no on your own yes. no you have not yeah. no jeff no that's not okay sorry <laughs> There's a line. 
What's the problem, though? Is, there's a, what do you mean, what's the problem? No, I can tell there is a problem, but I don't know what it is. Okay, firstly, when he's at school, that's that's like when an adult usually works for a start. Yeah, but if I have to go to the post office. Oh, I see. You, you incorporate it into daily chores. A little bit. I, mean, I, have, I haven't just been out. I haven't yet thought I'm going to go for a walk to play Pokemon oh, Go. Okay, so you're thinking I've got to go to the laundrettes or wherever it is, get some bread. So instead of looking at Twitter... yeah. I'm playing Pokemon Go. Well, hold on, before you'd be playing, looking at Twitter while walking to the laundrette. Yeah, what am I supposed to do? Like taking in the world around me? Yeah, yes, yes. Mm. Really? Okay. Was well, as long as you don't go out for several hours on your own, just doing that. I think my, the the bigger fear for me is people noticing what I'm doing who know me, and you know, <laughs> the casual acquaintances or like people from the neighbourhood just seeing this sad figure who walking the streets, this nearly 50-year-old man walking the streets, playing a child's game, yeah. collecting Pokemon. Wouldn't you feel embarrassed by a stranger as well, seeing you doing it? I mean, you yes, just limited yes, it Yes, there's a hierarchy of shame. <laughs> right, right, there? right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. You caught any? <laughs> yeah, yeah, caught, uh, <laughs> I I, I caught Mr. Now. Mime today. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, it feels good to unburden myself okay. of the shame of okay. that. Time for Quandary Corner at the Glap Clinic here in Problematic. Annabelle? First one's from Sue and Stuart. During our morning walk in lovely Newark, we were summoned by a lady who was trying to push a mini off the main road. We politely rushed over and pushed the car away from danger. It was only once she got out of the driving seat that we began to wonder whether it was her car. We didn't see keys and it just felt badly off. We began to worry that we'd aided and abetted a crime (laughs) as we continued our walk and later saw her effing and jeffing, sorry Jeff, in the market. (laughs) What is the rule here? Do we still have to be polite, even if that means potentially committing a crime? Crime. Warning, this may be used in evidence if we get arrested. (laughs) Thank you, Sue and Stuart. Mm. Okay, so... It's hard to turn down a request for help, even if you think it's a crime. (laughs) So can, can you paint for me the picture of where they were walking again? So I just need to try well, they, and... So it just says a lady trying to push a mini off the main road. Right. So that that, 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 that what that would have looked like, presumably, is like she'd broken down. Yes, that would have been the assumption. I mean, it's different if, say, she was carrying a huge flat screen TV through a broken window, <laughs> for example. Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or, a, or a, like a, a yeah. kicked in door. <laughs> I mean, I don't know much about car theft. Yeah, but I, I don't think pushing. I don't think pushing tends to be the main, main method. No, no. Now you say it. Yeah, I was suspicious, but now you say it. just because she yeah. was effing and jeffing later yeah. doesn't mean no. And she wasn't. And she was like back at the scene of the crime. Like you think that she'd be making a yes a quicker and more permanent getaway if she stopped yeah. in the car. <laughs> It's ingenious if that is what she was doing. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, she has got away with it. Because she's got the the skills to, like, pick the lock and get in, Mm. but not to hotwire it. (laughs) (laughs) And then to make you accomplices. Mm -mm. So... I would warn you as well that some cars don't have keys now. You just press a button to turn them on. Oh, yeah. So that, that might have been the reason. I don't know. But I, th- I suppose what we're saying is... Hang on, then why wouldn't she just press the button and then, then driven off? Because it was broken. broken so down. she's trying to steal a broken car. Oh, I see, I see. Now, I'm, I'm assuming she's innocent when I say all this. Oh, yeah, but mm. things break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I... 
think the rule of thumb is because I, I mean, I, I would just feel like a hit. Like I wouldn't want to push a car. Mm. I find it very difficult any time I've ever had to like help somebody bump start a car or do any of that stuff. Mm. I feel like I'm very incapable of it. Mm-mm. But you do get to feel like a bit like a hero. Yeah, yeah. And I think in most circumstances, if somebody is helping, asking for help in that way, it is because a car has broken down. Mm, yes. 99 times out of 100. I'd, I'd say more than no, that. <laughs> All uh, right, then. I would say well, 1 million times out of 1 million and 1. Yes. Yeah, that's fr- probably closer. So mm. um, <laughs> so I, th- I think the thing to do is always to, um, to offer help. Mm-hmm. I don't think you need to be engaging with her later in the day, though. No, no, you've done your bit. Okay, you can sort of walk past and like do a half smile and raise your eyebrows, but mm. don't don't get sucked into whatever her, her world sounds yeah. like. It's a little chaotic, and you don't want to you don't want to be sucked into her orbit. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. And then, unless it's a very explicitly what appears to be a crime, something a bit more obvious, then you can be rude and say, "No, I shan't be helping you." Yeah. And then, even I mean, even even if that did turn out to be a crime, mm. I imagine that I know the legal system is flawed, but I, I imagine you you would be able to exonerate yourself quite easily. Yes, good. Okay, she doesn't seem like the type of criminal mastermind. <laughs> no, I think <laughs> who who had who had framed you in such a way that you know you you would go down for it. Sue and Stuart. Nothing about that safe. story. If it was car theft, yeah, it screams yeah. criminal mastermind. No, no, I totally agree with yeah. you. <laughs> okay, right. The next one is from Mark. We have neighbours who can be filed as unconventional. Discussion of some of their life choices are for another podcast. Oh. Towards the end of last year, the man of the house knocked on several doors, including ours, with something for us to try. One of his friends had been travelling to and from various farms and collecting milk for them. A litre had been gathered for us to try with the promise that it will bring a revolution to your stomach. The question is... Not whether we should drink it, surely the answer is you do not, and we did not. But is there a suitable answer to fop him off if he asks how the milk was? This is difficult because anything positive, and he's going to try and, like, he's trying to get you hooked on this milk. Yeah. He wants to sell you more. This wasn't an act of, he's not trying to start a revolution in the stomachs of his neighbourhood. No. He's, he's got some harebrained scheme to sell milk. Yeah. So if you're positive about the milk, you uh, you you risk having to pay for yeah, it. Yeah, and and then yeah. if you're negative about it, you, you you've gone vegan. You're telling me you've gone vegan, uh, and then you have to go to great lengths to uh, con- conceal any dairy you consume. So, oh god! So you say you can initially say it was delicious. I had a revolution in yeah. my tummy. Yeah. I would love to try more, but I've but here's I've here's gone the vegan. thing: gone vegan. we're all vegan. Now. We switched to plant based milks. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah. Because you can you can be say yeah, you can say I've, I'm a bit lactose intolerant as well. I've, just, I've yeah. you'd have probably brought that up. Mm, I've just realised. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, all, all good, great. Okay, lovely. Anything to add? Nope. Good. All sorted. <laughs> And that was our podcast. Thank you for listening. 
Uh, if you have a quandary for Quandary Corner, if you want to uh, uh, know how to navigate the social moors, is it moors? Mm-hmm. Not mores like the eel? No, um, Of uh, a, a given situation then ask us and we will tell you what the rules are also we really want uh, to hear your story of failed interactions please the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com thanks to man and the echo for the backing music and to emily harrison for the incidental music carla gowlett took our photos kim rainey made our artwork and uh, i'm gonna try it i said it's non-driftery i'm, I'm gonna try and channel Ed, the marathon runner, and just see how it goes for me. F off! Oh, those stairs haven't kicked in, have they? <laughs> Podication time. This comes from Patrick Knee, who says... Bonjourno, Annabelle and Jeff. Bonjourno. Bonjourno. I'd like to request a podication for my wonderful wife, Anna, please. At the time of sending this, we are around a week away from our honeymoon as we travel to the bright lights of Las Vegas. Exciting. It is exciting. I'd love to have a Las Vegas reset. What do you mean? So we went and worked there for a week. I think it was a week. It might have been a year. <laughs> in 2004. And I feel like it pushed us to the edge of our sanity. Yeah, it was hard. It was a hard week. For any number of reasons. Yeah. And I, I feel like the, the great Las Vegas experience has so far eluded me. Yeah, we didn't get to properly enjoy it, no. did we? There were good moments. Yeah. But it was it was hard. Yes, and I've been once before and not not had a great time. But I do think you know I'm not I'm not a gambler. No, me neither. No. But I do think there's a version of it where I could see some shows, mm-hmm. get out into that Grand Canyon, yeah, see beyond the Strip, but also enjoy some of that kind of classic Rat Pack era Vegas. I think I, I could really get into all of that. But mm-hmm. anyway. I don't mean to yuck you yum. No. I know I'm cutting it fine for this week's podcast, so whenever you have a space is wonderful. Truth be told, she's unlikely to hear it anyway. She's a definite drifter, and I did play the podcast on a car journey to try and lure her in, but my attempt was met with indifference. So I'll just have to tell her what a wonderful husband I am for sending this in. I've I've gone off her. (laughs) We finally got married at the start of December last year after getting engaged a few years ago at the Edinburgh Fringe while she was up there working. In an unusual driftery moment, she cheered at a show where the wonderful Flo and Joan asked if anyone in the audience were engaged ahead of a song about divorce rates. I wanted the ground to swallow me up and was tempted to call the whole thing (laughs) off there and then. I do like those two, Flo and Joan. Um... Having a fellow drifter as a partner has proved to be a blessing. She laughs at my awful attempts at humour, asks for the bill at restaurants when I just happen to need to go to the toilet whenever the moment for needing to catch someone's attention goes comes around. I'm so bad at it. Mm-mm. I'm such an attention vacuum. Um, and keeps me feeling secure in the relationship, as she is, in her words, too lazy to ever have an affair. I think, you know, that's a, an underrated quality in a person. Yes. At the risk of bringing the mood down here, I also have to credit her with 
probably saving my life uh, as she has stood by my side through various bouts of severe depression over a number of years and has been my absolute rock over the last few months after we suddenly and unexpectedly lost my mum in very difficult circumstances just after Christmas last year and she had the task of having to break the news to me. She's been incredibly supportive of both me and of the wider family, especially my grandparents on my mum's side who are still with us. I'm really sorry to... uh, Really sorry to hear that, Patrick. Yeah. She's a wonderful woman and doesn't ever give herself the credit that she deserves. I couldn't be prouder to ever as my wife. And what better format to declare that in than, than one that she's unlikely to ever listen to. And so she will be spared the associated embarrassment. <laughs> Peace and love. Peace and love. Many thanks and all the best wishes. Patrick Nee. Congratulations, both of you. Annabelle, yes. Annabelle warned me that there was a bit that, um, you know, was uh, was was sad. And it'd be difficult for in you in particular, yeah. Yeah, but um, I'm really sorry to hear that. And, I mean, it, it takes a long time, I know. But I hope that this time you get away, this trip to Las Vegas, I mean, look, I've got my differences with Anna. <laughs> she doesn't like me. And I find that difficult to get past. <laughs> Who can blame you? It's like for me, it's uh, it's it's a very unattractive attribute in a person. Not liking you, yeah. Mm. In fact, I can often be quite willing to overlook a, a bunch of very serious flaws, right? If I feel the person is worshipful of me, right, right. Whereas somebody who sounds as amazing as Anna does in this yeah it's very difficult for me to get over the uh mm-hmm. the, the the dislike of me and my work yeah because the two are very you know they're conjoined mm. as far as i'm Mm-mm. concerned really um but i think it really sh- what this really shows is what a great person i am that i'm gracious <laughs> enough to be able to wish you both well and uh, obviously see that anna has been this incredible influence in your life. I mean, I'm not saying you couldn't find somebody better. <laughs> you could find somebody with all those attributes. And also liked Who you. also liked this podcast. Yeah, and, yeah. But, but um, you know, beggars can't be choosers. Choosers, Patrick. <laughs> Call me Patrick a beggar. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We've all got our stuff, haven't we? Well, anyway, if she does hear this, I'm sure it'll have really won her round. <laughs> so that's great. <laughs> Congratulations to the both of you. I am uh, genuinely, um, uh, genuinely like I, I read that story and read about the time you've had, and I'm glad that you've got, you know, you you've you've got something like this in your life to enjoy after a difficult time. Yeah. So congratulations to you both. That's the latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Anna from Patrick Knee. And if you would like a podication, email us hello at adriftpodcast.com. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.